0: May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from his Son, his only Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. What do you need to travel? And I don't mean overnight. I mean for maybe three weeks and not across Texas, but around the world. Well, you need a plan. You need a reason to travel. You need money to make that plan happen. You need reservations. You need flight tickets. You need Reservations for a hotel and for a car. You need your passport. You need your pills and ibuprofen and uh, vitamins. You need to pack for two different climates, hot and humid in Malaysia and Singapore, and chilly and windy in Australia and New Zealand. And you need your cell phone, which was a bit of a pickle for me a week ago Saturday in Wellington, New Zealand. If you get it all sorted out, then you can say, we have it all. And you're ready to have an adventure to be greatly enjoyed and long remembered. But today, God's word gives us a different perspective, which is why I've chosen as my theme, having all, having nothing, having all. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts to hear both law and gospel this morning and discover how we often think we have it all, but have nothing until all we have in and through Christ. People God dearly loves. Consider with with me the truths that God reveals to us in Isaiah 55 and Romans 9 and Matthew 14. In today's Old Testament reading, the prophet delivers Yahweh's message to a rebellious people, to a rebellious people who have been exiled by God in his judgment. Here God's chosen covenant people are asked, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And why do you give your labor for that which does not satisfy? To put it simply, They were content with nothing, though they thought it was all, and we are no different. We, too, spend our money to purchase useless food, but our hunger, our spiritual hunger remains. We, too, give our labor attempting to gain glory and status and possessions, but none of these can satisfy our deepest longings. We think we have it all, but we have nothing. About 800 years after Isaiah, after Isaiah speaks for God to the people of Israel, the Apostle Paul speaks for God, writing to the church in Rome and to the church of every time and in every place. I remind you that Paul was raised and trained as a Jew. He boasts of this, if it could be boasted about in his letter to the Galatian Christians. But in Romans 9, Paul expresses his sorrow, his anguish, his longing for the gospel to be embraced by the Jewish people. However, they think that they already have it all. You didn't hear all these words, but they are printed for you on the back of today's worship folder. This is what Paul names. They have the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, the Torah, the worship with priests and sacrifices in tabernacle and in temple, the patriarchs and the promises of the Messiah. But they had, and they have, nothing at all without the Christ. Without seeing and rejoicing that Jesus is the one in whom all these gifts are revealed. He was the one the gifts were pointing to. He is the one who will give this revelation and these rituals their full meaning. In Matthew 14. We follow Jesus with the disciples. Though our Lord tries to withdraw to a desolate place for rest and prayer, a great crowd hears and follows Jesus around the top of the Sea of Galilee. Until the long day comes to an end, until their lunches are all eaten, until the sick have been healed, until the disciples see the reality and say, it's late, Jesus. Send the people away. They have nothing at all to eat. Maybe in a nearby village, they will be able to find some food. But Jesus replies, no, they don't need to go away. I won't send them away. You give them something to eat. How, the disciples sputter. How can we possibly feed so many? We have nothing at all. Well, okay, just these five small loaves and two salted fish. To which Jesus commands just bring the bread and the fish to me. Maybe in the resurrection, when we meet all the prophets, the disciples, and the saints the thousands on whom Jesus had compassion that day, maybe we'll get to ask them, what did you think was going to happen? What did you think Jesus would do? We may never have that opportunity because in heaven there are no more questions. But I want to be, and I want you to be, as surprised as the disciples and the crowds were in Matthew 14 what did jesus have it seems to be nothing at all but jesus took the meager morsels he looked up to heaven he said a blessing he went away to pray and so he prays before this meal then jesus broke the loaves And he broke the fish, and the bread and fish multiplied, and filled the empty lunch baskets the disciples had gathered from the crowd. And they walked among them and said, Take as much as you want. There will be plenty. Everyone ate, each man, each woman, each child. And it was more than a snack, more than a nibble to quiet, growling stomachs. They all ate. About 5,000 men and the women and children besides, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples' scowls have turned into smiles. They had nothing at all. But by the power of God among them, they had it all. Does this miracle still stun us? Can it? Should it? Or do we, who fill our pantries and our cupboards with boxes of this and cans of that and then go out to a restaurant where someone else prepares and serves the food, do we even know the reality of physical hunger and the desperation of wondering where the next meal will come from? but does this point us to the desperateness of longing to be fed spiritually? Here is truth for today. It is truth for you, and it is truth for me. We have nothing. We have nothing to bring to God. We think we have it all, but we are empty-handed. But wait. Wait. We have an example here this morning. Her name is Elizabeth Grace. She is your new sister in Christ. She was carried to the baptismal font. What did this barely five-month-old little baby have to bring to God? Nothing. Nothing. And everything which is what we have to offer God with Ellie. We bring all our sin, all our guilt, all our shame, all our despair, all our lostness, all our pride, all our worries, all our fears. And by God's grace, work by simple water and his strong word, he gives everything to Elizabeth Grace and to you and to me. He gives cleansing from sin, claiming us as his adopted children, calling us daughters and sons of the Heavenly Father, clothing us with the righteousness of Christ, connecting us to Jesus' death and resurrection. And connecting us to each other within the body of Christ. For we are given everything, all that we need to satisfy us. And one more contrast between law and gospel. We believe the lie, the lie that we have it all. We boast in our manufactured goodness. We believe in our false security. We rely on our brazen independence from God. We trust all the wrong answers, all the false false hopes, all the empty truths. And having all this, we have nothing until we receive by the Holy Spirit's strong but gentle working, all the forgiveness Christ Jesus won for us on the cross, and all the joy of his gift of never-ending life by his third day triumph over death and the grave. Our thirst is quenched, our hunger is satisfied, and it is all free. We have no money to give. We need no money to pay. Our Lord's salvation is without money and without price. For having nothing, we now rejoice in having all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.